0: get inspired travel stories podcast welcome back to travel stories podcast how are we on episode eight of this season already ridiculous now remember i always love chatting to you guys you can hit me up on hayden at travel and you'll soon realize how difficult it is to stop me from talking sorry about that as for today kristen addis is the name behind be my travel muse.com who knows a thing or two about solo travel, solo female travel, something I haven't and will never do. She's been adventuring around the world since 2012. And you know, we share a lot of our values when it comes to talking to strangers, taking the leap and things like that. And the way we think about the world. And I hope that you guys share these too. And even if you don't, it's always good to hear the other side of things. eh? So let's get on to the travel story and our interview with Kristen Addis.
1: It was March 2014 and I was in the Tibetan Autonomous Prefecture of China. For some reason that March, or maybe it's just like this every March, um, snow was full on. We had flurries overnight and there was about a foot of it on the ground. I was pretty low on money, though, and so even though there was a bus station not too far away, I was going to hitchhike my way back to Chengdu. And that was going to take, mm, give or take, about eight or nine hours, so I had my work cut out for me. Now this is a really small town, there's not a lot of traffic going through it, and a few people had told me that I might not have much luck that day. But the cool thing about being a foreign girl by herself in China is that hitchhiking is actually incredibly easy. (laughs) People pull over almost immediately when they see me, so I had that on my side and I knew it. So standing on the side of the road, I stuck my thumb up in the air. A few people drove by, their cars were too full or they just simply weren't going my way. But one particular one pulled over and this was a pretty nice car actually. And Funny enough, this was my experience in China. It was almost always people who were businessmen going to or from somewhere, and these guys happened to be going all the way back to Chengdu, so I was in luck. I climbed in the back seat, really happy to be out of the cold, and we started going through the mountain passes. And I don't mean just leisurely driving through, I mean these guys were tearing through. I was white-knuckling in the backseat, and all the while they were just casually talking about the mountains and asking me how the mountains were where I'm from in California. And I struggled through with my very mediocre Chinese skills, but it was enough, they were satisfied. And then about an hour outside of Chengdu, we stopped at a restaurant. Now, this happened a lot, too, when I was on these long drives. Often we would stop at a restaurant. We would have a lunch. I would try and try to offer money to pay for it. The driver would always say, no, no, no. And so I kind of thought, all right, same thing is happening now. So we pulled in and just like you'll see all over China, there were some tanks and inside those tanks there were live fish swimming around and we got to select which fish we were going to eat for lunch that day. So we made our selection and I'm telling you, these things are pretty big. I mean, they're about the size of an adult forearm. There were three of us sitting at the table. There was enough food for about seven people. And I was able to eat, you know, enough for one person portion and looking around kind of sad at all of the leftover food. The driver pointed to the head of the fish and said something that I just couldn't quite make out. So he calls the waitress over. She comes scurrying over. And she brings out a spoon and starts hitting the head of the fish. And I was just like, oh my goodness, (laughs) this isn't good. I'm gonna have to eat fish brain now. (laughs) But something happened that I didn't expect. She, after some struggle, triumphantly pulled out a bone from the fish's head and I finally understood what the man had been saying. It was shaped as a sword, and he was trying to tell me something about the double-edged sword that I wasn't getting. But with her standing there, with this fishbone in her fingers, I understood finally. So he asked her to go clean it up. So she did, and then she came out with this perfectly little presented red box and I opened it up and the bone had been tied onto a string to make a bracelet. And it was the most unique and lethal and ridiculous jewelry I've ever been given. And I still have it, by the way, I will have it till the day that I die. Um, I probably won't wear it though because it's a really good way to accidentally cut yourself. I just couldn't believe how the day had gone. I was um, just this random girl from California, hitchhiking in a super remote part of China. Ended up with a bone bracelet gift at the end of the day. And of course they wouldn't let me pay for anything. It was all a gift for me, which was my experience in China where the hospitality is amazing. And then they dropped me off and went on their way, and I will probably never see or hear from them again. So it was funny because I will probably always talk about them, but I will kind of always hold that dear in my heart as one of my most ridiculously amazing travel experiences. Hey guys, Nicole's here to give you a little shout out on behalf of the entire team over here at Backpack Digital. We wanted to let you guys know how deeply we appreciate you listening to our show. We love making the show for you guys, and we love inspiring you through it and through our messages. You can talk about the show and our messages and any of our content, or just pop in and say hello to us on Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. Our handles for all of our socials are Backpack Digital. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go jump off a bridge in Paris. They always told me I'd end up in Seine. Thanks for listening, and now, back to the show. Uh, so how's it going? Pretty swell. How are you?
0: Pretty swell. Wow, what a great, what a great response. I don't think we've had that one yet. Pretty swell. Bringing it back. <laughs> I love it. Bringing back the old school 1800s words. That's great.
1: <laughs> Is it from that long ago? <laughs> I would imagine so.
0: I would imagine so. So you're in uh, you're in Berlin at the moment, right? At the moment. At the moment. That's always at the, moment, yes. the key thing, isn't it? You know, I yeah. mean, if I asked you where you were tomorrow, I assume it would be somewhere completely different, right?
1: I will be in a completely different hemisphere tomorrow. I'm heading down to Africa.
0: There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So uh, why are you in Berlin at the moment?
1: It's my home base. It's a funky city. I just like the vibe here. It's it's a really good quality of life. To me, it's, it's a great bargain because I come from Los Angeles and it's pretty expensive there. So to me, Berlin is a really affordable city with a high quality of life. So that, coupled with all of the artists here, just make it a nice place to live.
0: Mm, Yeah. So did you like, were you traveling there at some point and then thought this, this is the place for me? How did that work out?
1: Yeah, I was visiting a friend whom I actually met in Thailand, but she lives here. So I came to visit her and I just, it only took a couple of days and I was just like, you know, this is a cool place. And then I heard about the freelance visa, which I can get as an American citizen, and just the stars kind of aligned because I felt like I'd been searching for a home base that wasn't California, and this was sort of perfect for me.
0: Isn't it amazing how you can be in a in a completely different place and you can just think, yes, this is the place for me. It's like it lines up with all your values and everything you want from a place. How weird is that? I love that.
1: I feel like it happens within the first five minutes too. Like you know or you don't know. You're just like, I like it or no.
0: <laughs> I think <you're laughs> at least totally for right. me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, For me, too. I think you're totally right. Like, for example, uh, in Australia, like in Melbourne, first five minutes in Melbourne, I was like, this, this is my place. I was walking down Fitzroy Street. There's people with dreadlocks and no shoes. I'm like, this is my place. You know, these are my people.
1: Well. (laughs) Melbourne's one of the coolest cities in the world so
0: <laughs> <It> totally <laughs> I totally
1: <is>. understand <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely but then conversely in in I went to Sydney we went to Sydney for a for a little week getaway we were living in Melbourne and that uh, first five minutes in Sydney I'm like this is it's cool I can see why people like it but it's just not for me you know it's the I think you you're totally right you can t- you can absolutely tell in the first five minutes right
1: Yeah. And and I feel like people love one or the other. It doesn't seem like it's okay to like both Sydney and Melbourne.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Man, that is so true. Maybe that's why I don't like it because I was already a Melbourne guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's what it is. So you mentioned something that I haven't heard of before. What is a freelance visa? What's this all about?
1: Okay, so if you are from one of seven countries, it also includes like Japan, South Korea, Israel, uh, Canada, and Australia, New Zealand, you can apply for a freelance visa here in Germany. So, or they also have an artist visa. Basically, the idea is if you are making a solid enough income, you can come here and pay taxes <laughs>
0: and live here wow that's awesome i love how there's this, all these little kind of it seems to be opening up the world seems to be opening up when it comes to visas and stuff i mean we won't discuss the u.s right now but the, the rest know, of it. i <laughs> know my
1: goodness i hope i can stay here <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah the rest of it it seems to be opening up you know i mean in fact thinking about it i was thinking about the uk as well i mean that's leaving the eu it's not really opening up that much as well what am i even talking about no i know <laughs> it's like <laughs> so i heard this thing about because the uk is leaving the eu so i hear i heard something some whispers just before that was happening some guy was talking to another guy and there were several other blokes involved talking it through and they were thinking about doing this thing with regards to visas of between the uk australia new zealand and canada and south africa i think and they were like kind of there were whispers about that and i'm always hearing these things about new visas popping up man it's i think it's pretty cool
1: yeah. And you guys have a lot of opportunities that um, Americans don't have as far as getting these visas. So I was actually shocked that it was an opportunity to get one here as a as a US citizen. So I'm very grateful. Um, I love living here. I think at this point in my life, it's the perfect place for me. And so it's, it's great.
0: Nice. I love it when it comes together. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> now, on the surface, this sounds like a pretty weird, almost Freudian question. But now I know what you're thinking. Where is he going with this, right? But So uh, can you tell us about your grandmother? It does sound weird, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> um, it's not weird at all because she's actually one of the most inspiring people from my life. She traveled a lot when she was um, still with us. And it was funny because I moved to Taiwan when I was 20 to study Chinese, and I had no idea that she had been there, but she was like, oh, let me show you my my photo album from Taiwan. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so she's she's been all, all over, and it, it was, um, I mean, out of everyone in my family, she's really the only one who has traveled. So she didn't talk about it much, surprisingly, but I think unconsciously she inspired me. and. Um, when she passed away, we found one of her journals where she had written all about her European trip. So my mom came out to Europe to visit me a couple of years ago, and we used her journal as sort of guidance and went to the same places that she did. So that was really cool.
0: Wow, that is so cool. That's that's like straight from a movie, you know, you're digging around in the attic in the loft and you just see, what's this book, you know, <laughs> how cool is that? Yeah,
1: that's It amazing. was super cool. I'm glad that she kept such good records, and I guess you could say I'm doing the same now, just on a different medium.
0: Oh yeah, of course. Have you ever thought about that? Like your grandkids are going to follow in your footsteps?
1: Um, I don't know if I'm procreating yet, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it could be cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah, that thing that always that always comes in my mind. Like half of me, half of the time, I think, yeah, when I have a kid, I'll do this, and then the other half of the time, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to have a kid. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You
1: know. The good news is I have a niece. So ah,
0: there's hope. Yes, yes. In you fact, know, so there's, it all, yeah. there's
1: young people in the family.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's kind of like a kind of like a trial for it, you know, it's like test, see whether you like, you know, having kids in your family and like, you know, <laughs> how do you act with them and stuff like that. That's pretty cool.
1: Oh, definitely. <laughs> I never expected to be. Well, of course, I, I actually am not surprised, but I'm just like so silly and ridiculous and over the top with her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's kind of cool, actually, because you don't get any of the bad stuff, you know, you don't have. To like put him to bed at night with exactly. a pat- tin of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, uh, so you went around Europe with your, with your mom following the following the journal of your grandmother did you get that feeling this is feeling and now i say pretty much every episode that there's a new feeling that i've been trying to put into words but i can't and this episode is no exception so there's this feeling i get when like if you know someone that's been to a place right and this is a perfect example of your grandma your grandma has been to a place right and she's maybe stood in that exact spot that you're at does it feel different to you
1: well, you've got a lot of emotions tied to it, right? I mean, it could be a family member, someone you really love, or somewhere could remind you of an ex, or <laughs> <laughs> it can even be a place you've stood before, but it just feels entirely different. That's that's a really interesting sensation when it's you and you've been there before and it feels different. I think that's called jamais vu, like the opposite to déjà vu.
0: Mm.
1: So I can at least give you the term for that. But (laughs) when you know someone else has been there, I don't know what to call that. Um, But totally, it does change it because you automatically just wonder, okay, how did he or she see it? And how did he or she feel? So it it was cool to be able to read the journal. But I think overall, I expected so many things to be different. And what my mom and I decided was, you know, what was actually different was not the place. It was how we experienced and documented it because I was there with my camera and blogging about it. And we had her old handwritten journal. So that was kind of what we unexpectedly arrived at.
0: That's so cool. It's like analog meets meets digital. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Now, we hear a lot on the show about people that have like stable jobs and the lifestyles and stuff like that, and something came into their head and they dropped it all to travel. We've all heard it a lot. For you, it seems like you kind of had this drive for adventure before the stable job and and it kind of got reignited. Would you say that's right?
1: Yeah, I studied, well, the first time I ever went abroad was when I was 20, like a summer abroad in Europe. Um, I, Europe keeps coming up in this conversation, but it's actually where I've, I've traveled the least, so that's kind of funny. Um, and then I, I studied Chinese in university. Um, I just thought that it would be useful. And so when I graduated, I didn't really want to go straight into the workforce. I knew I wanted to travel a bit because um, I graduated uni in three years. I don't know why I was in such a rush, but I was. And, um, after that I, I applied for a scholarship in Taiwan and I went and studied there and that just changed everything for me because it was really different living in such a different culture versus, you know, traveling for a couple weeks in Europe on a bus with a bunch of other people. I actually like moved there by myself, no support just went. Um, and it was really hard at first, but then I stuck it out and it just showed me that I could do it. And I was just amazed at the, the fact that not only did they just have a completely different way of living that totally worked, but it was also safe and just pleasant and people were nice. And it was just a really different kind of experience. And so I think if I hadn't had that experience, I might not be doing what I'm doing. Um, I came home because again, I was just in this big rush and I started working for four years in finance. And I just, I had never really shook the feeling that something in me was missing and that I had left it in Asia. And so that's why after like four years of doing the investment banking, I just couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't, <laughs> like, I just hated it. And I'd, i made enough money at that point where I was just like, okay, what am I going to do with this? I can like, maybe buy a condo, not that I could have just bought it out. Right. But maybe I could like go in with, um, you know, my boyfriend at the time and, and put a down payment down somewhere Um, But I just decided to kind of go the other direction and demolish all those bridges and take a one-way ticket to Bangkok. So, um, yeah, that's what I did.
0: Wow, that's great. I love that kind of crossroads that you're presented with. It's like either A, the life that everyone else is living, the life I'm told to live, the life that the media says that you should live, the life that seems so easy to live, and B, going out by yourself Like, I was going to say halfway across the world, but maybe even a little bit more, a little bit more than halfway across the world. Maybe. And just seeing what's happening there and just going and adventuring and finding out about yourself. Man, how cool is that?
1: (laughs) I mean, I made that sound very easy, but it was not an easy decision. I was terrified. I agonized over it. Um, I didn't know if I should tell anyone about it until I already bought my ticket so that there was no going back. It, It wasn't an easy choice, but I just didn't want to wonder.
0: Mm. Forever. That's so interesting. Yeah. Like what was, what was kind of going through your head at the point at that point when it came to, you know, what in your head was trying to talk you out of it and what in your head was trying to talk you into it? You know what I mean?
1: Um. Yeah. You know, the angel and the devil on my shoulder. I'm sure the devil was the one telling me to go to. Oh, Asia. of course, of course. <laughs> um. You know, as a kid, I used to spend hours. Like my main thing was, I loved writing stories. I loved painting and drawing, and I just felt like I'd really lost that. Mm. I used to play Civilization and Amazon Trail. I used to I used to search the weather online before Google was a thing just to see what the weather was like in other places just to kind of imagine what it was like to be there so this was always in me and i thought that getting a fancy job and the money that comes with that was the answer and then i just realized no it's not and um i discovered um nomadicmat.com mm. which it's funny because now we're really good friends and we even work together on on some things And I was just like, whoa, you don't have to be super rich to travel around. I don't know why, but it just didn't occur to me. Mm -hmm, Yeah. I'd lived in Taiwan and I had been to Europe, but these aren't really super cheap places. But he was in like Southeast Asia and like people were talking about India. And I was just so overwhelmed by, oh, my God, I could do that, too. (laughs) (laughs) So I started researching and I realized if I was going to really do it, no one was really at a point in their lives where they could come with me. So then the idea of going alone came into my mind. And then I found all these bloggers who did the solo female travel thing too. And I was like, Whoa, this is possible. And then once it, once I realized that there was no going back.
0: Mm, yeah, that's why I like all this. I like all the, the travel bloggers out there. I like the travel vloggers. I like the travel podcast because it gets the word out there that this is possible. You don't have to live like you're told to if you don't want to. Some people want to. And you can. Go and travel. Like funds is, I mean, that's got to be one of the most asked questions that there is. How can I afford the travel? You know, and there's a wealth of information out there telling you exactly how you can and how you can how you can mm-hmm. afford it, how you can make it happen. And I like that you said about solo travel as well. We talk about it a lot on here, and for some, it's totally preferred. You know, and I and couldn't imagine traveling with other people. I include myself in that, and. For others, having the ability to share the experience is something they love, you know? So where do you stand? What do you love about solo travel?
1: Well, I've been going for about four and a half years now, and the vast majority of it has been by myself. And the thing is, you are sharing it with people. You're just sharing it with people that you met recently. That's why I love it, because I'm meeting new people all the time. And it can be local people. Um, In the case in South Africa, for example, I was there for almost three months now, cumulatively, and I stayed with locals half the time from all different racial backgrounds. And um, I just thought that was so amazing how, how wonderful of hosts that they were to me. And a lot of the times, a lot of the reasons why I was able to say yes to things, a lot of the adventures I've had, it's because no one was there saying, hey, this is a bad idea. <laughs> it was it was all just me being like, okay, I feel like doing this right now. I'm going to do it. Or like, okay, I don't feel like doing that. I'm not going to do that. And I came to find that um, I was solving all the problems on my own. I was making all the decisions on my own. And that's so empowering. And I think everyone should have that experience.
0: Oh, absolutely. That freedom that comes with being solo whilst traveling, that freedom is it's just amazing where exactly like you say, you can just choose, man, I'm going to go over here. And you don't have that person just saying, man, you shouldn't do that. Oh, no, that's a bad idea. You know, you can just go and do whatever. That is, that's, in fact, that's one of my favorite things about travel let alone solo travel, the freedom of it, you know?
1: Yeah, and I always say, if you're traveling with other people, there's one key person who's missing, and that's the real you. Because when you're at home or when you're with your friends, inevitably they do impact you. Um, Your family, like all of the people who are familiar with you, they do impact how you act and how you feel about things. Um, We're social creatures, we're wired that way. But if you're out there on your own, Everything is going to come back to, well, how do I feel about this right now? What do I want to do right now? Who am I? So I think that that's an incredible opportunity that a lot of people are never going to have.
0: Oh, absolutely. This is, again, something I talk about all the time. It's, it's, uh, it's weird. We're kind of, <laughs> everything you're saying is stuff that I'm, I have difficulty putting into words and that I'm always telling people. It's like, yes, this girl knows it. She knows what it's about. I love that. <laughs>
1: you can tell I'm like so excited about it when I talk
0: about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you're so right. I mean, I always say you're probably a different person when you're talking to your grandfather than you are talking to your best mate. You know, it's, uh, well, I I would I would certainly hope that you are in some instances. And, uh, <laughs> and it's you know it's that question who are you when no one's around? You know when you're just by yourself who are you? And it's exactly like you said I love the way you put it. You're the real you. And that's who's missing on on group group trips. That's man that's great. I love that. And I love what you said as well before about about being solo about like traveling solo. It's not like you're Alone. I know it sounds like to people that you're traveling alone, traveling solo, but you meet people every single day. You know, you don't not have anyone to share this stuff with. You have everyone to share this stuff with. So do you, do you often, often find yourself seeking out people that live in the cultures that you're visiting or, or do they seek you out? Or like, how do you, how do you make that connection?
1: It's a mix. Um, sometimes, especially because I am by myself in some cultures, that's just really a foreign idea that a woman would be by herself. So I've had a lot of people kind of want to take care of me almost Mm -hmm. because of that. Um, and because of that, I've been invited to a lot of really cool things, um, meals, cultural events, and I'm often kind of made to feel like the guest of honor because a lot of cultures around the world really hold guests in high esteem. And that's one big benefit. Another thing is if I am ever feeling kind of lonely, the all you really have to do is look up a social hostel or like go to a place where people tend to go if there's a common interest, like rock climbing, scuba diving, surfing, because there's going to be a bunch of other solo travelers there too, who are going because of this shared interest. And I couldn't believe how many other people out there were actually traveling on their own. Like I, I still can't believe how many people I meet who have crazy, amazing stories. And maybe they're super young, like 18, or maybe they're in their seventies and they're out there traveling on their own, having a fantastic time.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you just walk around the corner and just there's someone there that's 17, 18, 19, early twenties, and they've been all around the world and they like love kite surfing and they've kite surfed every wave in the southern hemisphere. All these crazy things, man. And these are just people that are not unlike you or I or anyone else listening. They just, they just went out there and I, they're kind of doing it you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's easy to think that if you're not a traveler and you see someone that's traveling, someone that's doing, it, it's easy to put up these walls and these barriers of, yeah, they must have loads of money or they must not have responsibilities. They must dot, 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 you know? And I think, I don't know, I think when it comes down to it, it's just the choices that you make. What do you think about it?
1: I completely agree with you. I mean, Of course, I was a single girl, but I, you know, there were a lot of things I had to do to kind of untie myself from my old life. And so, I mean... It was easier for me than it would be for someone with a family. But there are families out there who are nomadic and traveling around. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there are just really are people from all walks of life doing it. And people who don't come from a bunch of money and who have just figured it out by working on the road. They took their job abroad or they they. St- Decided to start teaching English and they saved up a bunch of money from that or they just figured it out as they went like it, it is pretty surprising how many opportunities can come up if you'll just go out and look for them. So I agree with you. It's about removing the mental blocks and just taking a little, you know, you can even take a little mini vacation and just see how it goes. But I would encourage anyone who thinks they can't afford it to take their money to India or Southeast Asia and watch it basically triple or quadruple in value.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's a, there's a way for everyone regardless of, well, almost regardless of their circumstances, there's a way to get into travel. It's just, if they really want to, it's just pursuing that. And the key is, I guess, if they really want to, you know, because there's a lot of people that don't. You know?
1: Well, I mean, if you have the means to be able to listen to this podcast, yes, exactly. but there's a lot of people in this world, <laughs> there's a lot of people in this world who will never have a chance. Yeah. So it is pretty amazing to think like, okay, if you if you're from a country that has a passport that is strong enough and you have a phone that you're listening to this on, Guess what you you are rich enough to travel.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. That's actually that's what I said in the in the last uh, where was it? Last season, season 4, episode 11. That was the intro of it. I was saying all about gratitude and how it's not a it's not from our own work that we were born into the country we were born and we were born into the circumstances we were born into and it's also not our fault. And also when if you're in fact I said that exact same thing. If you're even listening to this, then you know, then you, then you're, then you're open to that gratitude in a way you you, you, I don't want to say should be, but you're in a comfortable position enough so that you can go, yeah, I'm doing all right.
1: Yeah, yeah definitely. If you're eating regularly and you, you have technology at your fingertips. You could do it if you wanted to, if you really, really wanted
0: it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I know that you're you're not really a fan of the touristy things, right? So hitchhiking instead of buses, you know, I'm not that buses are touristy, but... Uh, hitchhiking. I take buses. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, as soon as I said it, I'm like, buses, tourists? How many people lining up to look at buses? But yeah, like, uh, you know, like local communities living with people if you're invited instead of the hotels and stuff like that. And... Um, yeah, what what would what draws you to these things? You know, as opposed to the set routes, the warm showers, the guides, the standard things that people go and see. What draws you to these things?
1: You know, what at first it was money. Um, I had about twenty thousand in cash that I felt I could bring with me to Southeast Asia. Um, so I thought, okay, I've got to make this last for one year, maybe two, because I don't want to go back any quicker than that. And so I was like really penny pinching from day one. I only spent a thousand dollars on my first month in Cambodia. And that did mean I wasn't, I didn't take a hot shower that whole month, but it's like blazing hot outside. It's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. The cold showers in Southeast Asia, it's like you, you kind of want them. <laughs> yeah.
1: You don't mind at all usually. So that was fine. I was sleeping in dorms almost exclusively for the first two years. Um, if I could stay with a local person, I definitely took that opportunity because how cool is that? Oh yeah. I definitely didn't. I cared so little for comfort because I was out having this amazing adventure that I'd been wanting for so long. And the hitchhiking started in China because I was running out of money. (laughs) (laughs) So that was completely out of necessity. Trust me, if I didn't need to hitchhike, I would have just taken a bus. The thought of it was pretty scary because I'd never done it before. But I met this Chinese girl and she really took a liking to me because, um, I had lived in Taiwan before, right? So I could speak some Chinese and people were really impressed with that in China. And so she decided that we were going to be friends. And I was cool with that too, because she was just this dynamic, um, just totally colorful personality type of girl. She was great to be around. And she was like, we should try, we should go hitchhiking together and we should do that to get to the next spot. And I was just like, you're so enthusiastic about this. Okay, (laughs) you have no fear of it. And this is your country. So I trust you. Mm. And then after that, it was addictive. It was like a sport. I could not get enough of it. And that is the way that I got around China for the rest of my time there um, over about 2,000 kilometers. I think I counted 13 rides. Um, I did it with her at first. And then when it was time for us to part ways, because that happens, you know, people have different plans. I just started doing it by myself. And um, again, it, it, it just was like, how far can I get with this? And then it worked so well there. I did it when I was in Mozambique as well. And it worked there too. And I did it for um, hundreds of miles in South America as well in Patagonia. And then when I was in Hawaii in October, there were some guys hitchhiking and I was like, you know what, it's time to pay it forward. They look nice. So I pulled over <laughs> I picked them up, and um, they were super cool playing the ukulele in the in the backseat.
0: <laughs> <So, laughs> oh, nice.
1: It's just a cool culture, you know? It has this reputation as being this dangerous thing to do, but nothing has ever shown me more kindness, more about someone's culture, and more about just trust in my fellow human beings than hitchhiking has. I think it's awesome.
0: Oh, totally. It's like, it's like this weird kind of pure, honest thing, you know, it's kind of, it's like when I, when I first saw couch surfing, I'm like, so people are staying at your house. There's no money changing hands. It's just out of, I don't know, kindness and goodwill. I
1: love that too. Yeah.
0: It's, I don't know. I love things that, that are based on on good emotions and just human goodness for want of a way better word (laughs) like out of those good things in life like wanting to wanting to help someone out you know and knowing that when you go out there there's people that have the same feelings as you that will help you out and it's it's just this amazing circle of trust this circle of just great feelings and emotions and energy man those things are great
1: I really get a high from it. I can tell from the way you're saying it, you do too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also talk about coffee and cats that way. So, you know, it's... it's, all, it's they all both cool.
1: give you energy and they're great. <laughs> oh man, it's,
0: it's such good feelings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I want to talk about your site, BeMyTravelMuse.com. Now, I love that you don't just have the inspirational posts and stuff like that, but things like packing lists and country cost guides and how tos and kind of teaching people, you know, just like we've been talking about in this interview, teaching people the way to get out there and do it. So what's your what's your motivation behind giving people this info? Like was it something that you wished you had at the start of your travels? Is it something that you think back and you thought, man, I wish there was a website telling me what to do here, you know? (laughs)
1: I really feel strongly that I want people, especially women, to know that they can and should travel by themselves. I really feel strongly that people should at least try traveling by themselves for the reasons we discussed earlier. You're never going to have a better chance to know you and what you're capable of. And it's an incredibly empowering feeling. And after that, you're going to go out into the world and you're going to ask for what you deserve in work, in relationships and everything. I really, I just think it's so empowering and so at first the site was more a diary format just kind of sharing my stories and experiences because when you are traveling by yourself it's really nice to share it even if you know at first no one was listening <laughs> it's it's just kind of nice and now it's turned into something that a lot of people read and a lot of people reach out and say that it's changed their lives, which is really humbling to me, but, um, really amazing as well. And then about a year and a half ago, I wrote a guidebook for specifically for solo female travelers. And it has just everything I know in there, um, how to make money, how to stay safe, how to, Have a great time, how to pick where to go, what to bring with you just to make it all concise and in one spot, because, yeah, I do wish that there had been something like that when I started. I think it would have killed a lot of my fears. So that's my main motivation is to say, hey, don't be scared of this amazing opportunity that you could give yourself. Even if it's, you know, two weeks we're talking about or two years, like just do it.
0: Mm, Absolutely. So this book is kind of like a comprehensive guide to for solo female travel.
1: Yeah, it's called Conquering Mountains, How to Travel the World Fearlessly. And that's exactly what I'm trying to communicate with it. And I also asked a bunch of other women who are doing the same thing and have been for a while for their advice. There are case studies in there, too, just to show like, hey all kinds of women do this men too, but I, you know, I wrote this specifically for women.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. And uh, where can people find that?
1: That's on my website at be my travel And you can see um, there's a little area at the top that says my book. And also it's for sale on nomadicmat.com. I have a solo female travel column on his site as well. Um, we co-published the book together
0: fantastic well we'll uh, we'll have to put a link to that in the show notes so everyone can check that out that's awesome well thank you so much for coming on the show today it was really really awesome having you here is there anything you want to leave the listeners with any parting words of wisdom
1: yeah um if you need support if no one around you understands and if you just like don't know where to look there are so many people out there doing what you want to do you're not alone um go to Google, look for people who are doing the kinds of things you hope to do. If that's me, I hope you find my site. And if you still need some support, tweet me, write me on my Facebook page, or you can email me too. I'm really passionate about empowering people to get out there.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you. by subscribing to Travel Stories Podcast.